This is episode three. This week we have Bob Gibson, Chief Revenue Officer at Jolt, and previously the Global Vice President at Oracle and Micros. We dive into how to consistently deliver results in an ever-changing culture and how coaching football contributed to Bob's corporate success. Welcome back, folks, to the Tanvir Bangu Podcast. My name is Tanvir, head of technology and a former college football champion. Through each episode and special guest, we show you how you can leverage principles in sports to help you win in the business world. Thank you for tuning in. Let's get started. Bob is the Chief Revenue Officer at Jolt, an execution software on smartphones and tablets, helping deskless businesses such as restaurants achieve team accountability, digital food safety compliance, and boosting employee performance. As the CRO, Bob is focused on increasing brand awareness, enterprise sales, and optimizing a growth strategy to scale business to global operations. During his time at Micros, Bob led numerous strategic initiatives including rebuilding the sales and operations teams to focus on mid-market and large-tier customers. Bob has also been coaching junior football for nearly 18 years and will be back this season at Glen Ellen Football in Utah. As an executive and coach, one thing that Bob believes to be the X factor is preparation. And that is something that I have seen him portray better than anyone else during meetings, key strategy sessions, or webinars. You can follow him on LinkedIn or visit his company website at jolt.com. That is J-O-L-T dot com. In this episode, we dive into what allowed Bob to find corporate success in an ever-changing environment plagued through economic downturns and numerous mergers and acquisitions. How what he learned in football as a coach earlier on in his career has shaped his entire corporate career. Why preparation is actually a lot more important than you think. How you can pretty much do any role or take on any new job with one pro tip. And what young leaders must do today in order to win tomorrow. And guys, as you're listening and if something resonates, make sure to share this with a friend or a colleague. Or if you relate, please share this on Instagram stories and tag me at tenger.bangu or comment on my LinkedIn or Instagram posts with your review. And remember to visit my website, tangerbangu.com, for a ton of free content and lots of exercises. All right, team, I'm super excited for this. Let's dive in with the one and only Bob Gibson. Bob, so great to have you on the show. Um, really great to see you again. You know, um, as, I was, as I was looking at uh, who I wanted to have on my first three to four episodes of my new podcast, uh, I wanted to go with someone that had a tremendous career in, in an industry that is highly disruptive and someone that you know I almost look up to from a leadership standpoint and you were by far you know one of the leaders that I really wanted on the show and I'm so happy that I'm able to have you here and share your experiences and, and your perspective with everybody who's listening here so thank you so much for being here and welcome to the show I greatly appreciate it it's always been great working with you and appreciate the compliments Absolutely. So for all of those uh, listening and, and watching, you know, so Bob has spent almost 20 years uh, of his previous career 
at Oracle Micros uh, in, in highly powerful, influential executive roles. And most recently, Bob, now you've taken on the role of a chief revenue officer at Jolt. So how has that journey been so far? And what are you up to lately? And um, it's been a lot of fun. Um, I, I learned a ton over the years and, and um, certainly had those positions and really grateful to Micros and Oracle for the learning, but it's kind of fun to apply that now in a startup, which is um, highly, um, uh, disruptive technologies and uh, it's been a lot of a lot of fun so far yeah I'm actually so excited to you know hear about your uh, your career actually before um, even earlier years in micros and you know I'm sure we're gonna get into a lot of that as the show goes on but I really want to understand you know how were the ups and downs in your career how did they prepare you for this moment when you are now you know leading a startup uh, and try to drive maximum value and grow a company from, you know, going from a huge company at Oracle now to a smaller company where you really are much more agile, much more faster. So I'd love to dive into that as we, uh, as we progress here. And, you know, I think something that I would love to learn from you right off the bat here is, you know, how has this transition been for you amid COVID? Um, it's, it's, yeah, it, it's been good. And I, I think one of the differences, especially with a small company like this and a startup role, is you just have the ability to pivot quickly. So, um, yeah. you know, we, we made some um, decisions early on, uh, first and foremost, not to um, let anybody go and make sure that um, the company's first priorities was uh, the employees and the customer base. So we didn't want to impact either of those two. Um, and then that kind of leads into kind of looking long-term, not short-term. And I, I think a lot of folks really get caught up in, in what's happening today. And one of the things that certainly prepared me in my career is never to do that. You always have to look at the long-term and then you make your decisions to accomplish that over time. Yeah, I think having a long-term outlook on where you, know, you wanna be and any roadblocks that come in the way are just ways for you to navigate those versus having to change your strategy at every at every turn, right? Uh, exactly. I think that's a great way to put it. Um, you know, so before we jump into some of your, your history, um, what else has what else has been the biggest X factor for you as you started at Jolt that allowed you to weather all the storms as you were getting ramped up in your in your recent role? Um, I I would say it's just really perseverance. Um, I think you know um, certainly over the course of the career, I've I've been through three crashes. Um, over the course of my career, wow. I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I've I've seen that and I've I've learned that, um, you know, uh, similar to you know really sports in a lot of ways is that bad things are going to happen and you know the folks that that survive are the ones that aren't afraid to get up and keep going, and persevere and um, that's a key attribute I think of any manager. Yeah, I, I I think I the one the point I want to dive deeper into you you mentioned sports and you know as you know. Um, for everybody listening here, yeah, I think you've been coaching football now for, I think, well over, was it 20, 30 years? We don't have to actually say the football. <laughs> you were crossed on the second one. <laughs> <laughs> so you've been coaching football for a while. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I think, I think as you mentioned, just like sports, it's perseverance. What allowed you to progress in your career while many others who started off with you didn't? And how were you able to do that so consistently? Yeah, I mean, I think 
um, a big part of that is paying attention to kind of the fundamentals. Um, and I think, again, it's another analogy with sports you kind of learn is that um, the tackling and blocking are really important. Um, it's not the fluff, right? I always, <laughs> I always like to say yeah. the pretty boys are the ones that run with the ball and throw the football, but the real work's done in the trenches. And exactly. um, that's really um, part of, I think, in my DNA, building those foundational and those uh, teams out. You got to pay attention to that. And as you do that over time, that takes care of itself for you. Um, and if you do that, um, especially over the course of your career, you build great networks, great people, you know, um, and it really it pays dividends over a period of time. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I'd like to dive a little deeper into, Bob, as you said, you know, things you do that pay dividends. I think a lot of people nowadays are trying to get quick success. And, and you touched on that thing where it's like, you know, you have to be putting the work in, uh, whether it's your network, whether it's learning new skills and whatnot right um what do you do and you still do what is that thing that you still do consistently today that you know you're not going to get a result back right away but you know that is the right thing to do for your for the future for the longevity of your career yeah i it's really every morning get up and ask yourself certain questions what have i done to get to this point today to get better at what i do and then what are those action steps that i'm going to put in play to do that and that changes over time because once you accomplish one task or goal that you have for the organization that spawns a second or a third um, but when you when you become complacent and you you think you got to where you want to be and you know you just you stop that then you know certainly then you start running into challenges so i think just that foundational there's a great video um and i'm sure you've seen it um, from an admiral where he talks about make your bed every day. It's a consistent task you do that you accomplish and it's your first task you've accomplished for the day and you've done it successfully and it kind of sets the trend for the rest of the day. Yeah, I think it's about doing those small things right every single day that becomes second nature. So you can focus on the bigger stuff, but at the same time, the small things you're doing, you don't have any expectations, but eventually they are gonna lead you to something that's going to allow you to, you know, capture the ROI of all the effort that you've been putting in. You know, I'm sure I stole it from someone else at some point in time, but if you do the little things right, the big things come. And paying attention to those details really pay long-term dividends. Exactly. So, I mean, you know, speaking about the little things, and, and you started that probably back when you were early in your career. I, I always I wanted to ask, I know you, you when, when you were starting off at, at, at your initial, initial role, you know, at Oracle Micros, uh, even before that, um, the industry, the technology in the retail, the F&B industry was still young. How did you know this was the industry for you to go in, to double down on, and really you know, accelerate your career? How did you know that was the right thing to do at that point? I, I don't think I did. I mean, I, I think I'm, I've always been in the hospitality industry. I, I started out as a dishwasher, short order cook, ran some restaurants. You know, it was always in my DNA. Um, transitioning into the technology side of the business. And for me, that was uh, really in 1990, um, really the cutting edge of when it started, where we still had 8088 PCs. We didn't even have a Pentium yet and, and all that. When you're in the industry and you, you could um, see where you could bring value to that customer. And I can never forget the, the first big customer I sold um, with a product called Digital Dining way back in the day. Um, we took out his guest checks. We kind of rode down, found all the errors and the ROI saving for him kept him in business 
um, that was really a wow. proud moment over for a you know a young or somebody young 20 something year old it was uh it was the start of really um uh understanding the value that you bring to a business yeah i think you touch on two great points there bob i think the first one is you started off as a dishwasher right and to get to where you you are today it doesn't happen overnight and a lot of people they only see the success but they don't see is all the hard work that that went into it right so i think that's something that is that's phenomenal and you know it just it just um, strengthens the viewpoint that I had about you know why you're so uh, why you are where you're in your career and why people look up to you is because you have the basics the foundations that you've built that allow you to get to where you you know you are today. Um, I think the second point I wanted to hit on uh, the second point that I think is very important and would love for you to dive a little deeper on is when you are doing something that is driving value to the end consumer. Whether if you're in sales, if you're in technology, you're end user, or if you're at an organization and you're serving a different department, if you can look at it as driving value to the end user, your job becomes much more than just a job. It almost becomes passion, right? And I think that's what you mentioned when you said you showed this person the ROI and you left, you helped them stay in the business because of the of the implementation and, and, and the stuff you did. I think that's the key that most people don't realize. Yeah, exactly. And one of one of the things I think you learn over the course of your career, I mean, this is something that Jolt I'm really trying to um, teach the team is that um, at the end of the day, we're professionals. We have a skill set that that we're bringing to the table. But if it's not a win-win with both companies, it's really not worth doing. And um, really, the end of the sales process, if you don't have a referenceable customer, you failed. Exactly. Um, and you know, and I'm glad to see that you are actually trying to distill that in your current organization. I think that's something that I think a lot, a lot of people they go through the motions, but they don't actually do it. So you know, I'm, I'm actually very excited to, and, and you know, going through the motions is something that I know you can relate with because of football. It's <laughs> like, don't just go through the motions of every single rep. Make it count, right? And and I can definitely see that that happening over here. I'm so excited, excited to see that, Bob. Um, you know, I, I love the shirt that you're wearing. If you can, if you can show the logo, is, is that the, the team you're coaching? It is. Um, uh, I have to take last year off, but this is the, uh, my hometown, Glen Ellen, Illinois. Um, and the Golden Eagles is our team. And I've been coaching football in there for about 18 years now. And this is really about the young leaders that are listening. What are some of the similarities that you've seen uh, through coaching, through the players that are, you know, football players and, and and as you're coaching the game of football, what are some of the similarities that you've seen that you are applying and have been applying in the world of business? Let's walk through that a little bit. Sure. Um, so I, it's a great petri dish for, for business when you're coaching football, especially at the youth level. Um, one of the things that you have to develop pretty quickly is um, how to work with people. Um, at the youth football level, you're dealing with a team parent, you're dealing with parents that in a lot of cases, think their their son or daughter is going to get should a, be playing. Yeah, should be playing. <laughs> it's going to get a college scholarship. You know, you've, you've got some interesting uh, folks. Um, at the same time, um, you also have assistant coaches that have volunteers and you know working together as a team to implement the plan to do all the the prep work into it. It's a it's a great foundational um, petri dish. 
uh, to take principles and apply it to business. And um, we do that a lot. Yeah. And, and how do you, you know, walk me through an example where you've dealt with a situation or a conflict in football that prepared you for business. I'm sure you have tons of examples of walking through something that you still remember uh, from, from your career. Sure. Um, so these, these are the lessons you learn the hard way. Um, and the best lessons in life you learn the hard way. The best success you have is through failure. So these are kind of um, uh, principles that, you know, as you get on in your career really help you. But um, I remember the first uh, real example is, you know, uh, probably my first or second year coach, and I'm telling kids to get into a three-point stance, you know, and I don't understand why they're not in a three-point stance. And, you know, it, after, you know, a couple of practice how about you teach and not preach? <laughs> and he was absolutely right. You know, I was expecting, right, hot, this this poor young kid to just naturally do something without actually showing them the mechanics of doing it. So that's that's one of those lessons that have, has always um, uh, stayed with me uh, for the rest of my life in that you can't just expect without showing and demonstrating and then um, analyzing and correcting. You know, a lot of times we tell people to go do something, but we don't give them the tools to be successful. And, you know, that's typically when people fail. You bring up a great example that I, I just came to my mind now. It's about we expect people to do something because this is how we've done it. And we think they should understand how to do it. But they might have no idea what you really expect of them. Right. And it's about it's this analogy that I've heard many times. Um, one of the leaders where I used to work before brought it up. It's, it's, it's like. If you're asking someone to bowl, you know, in, into bowling alley, but you put a curtain in between them and the pins, a curtain between them and the pins, and you're directing them to bowl, but you're not giving them the right instructions, they don't see what you're seeing. They don't see that where the pins are. They don't. They don't see the entire picture. For them to get you the results that you think you should have the results, is impossible because you're not giving them the right tools and the right education. In the right environment when you don't explain to them exactly what you're expecting right so that, that's something that I always always remembered uh, so a lot of times it's like why can't they why can't the team why can't this person just get it done whether it's a supplier whether it's somebody on the team and always ask yourself is like am I giving the right expectations am I communicating them clear enough right exactly yeah and this is one of the these are you know sports is a, a beautiful metaphor for most things especially football because the beauty of football is you have one game a week everything else is practice preparation and planning right and that's what makes the game so spectacular and i can tell you we've won multiple championships um our town kids that have kind of come through our program have won multiple state championships remember the ones you lost and the ones you lost because you made an error in judgment or mistake, those are the ones that stay with you forever, but they're the best ones to learn from. And um, that's kind of what we do every day here as well, is that, you know, I'll give you an example. I just got done doing a, a review of a, a customer we didn't win. And when we go through that process, um, and we won a whole bunch, right? Which is great, everything's going well, love that. But this one will stick in my craw for a long time because I missed something. Those are the things that, that kind of keep me up at night and drive me nuts. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember in my, my college career, it was, you know, we, we would win a game by a lot, but coach would still watch, make us watch film. 
yep. and pick out every single mistake that we've made. And earlier in, in my career, I'd be like, well, here, we won the game. Why are we st- still scrutinizing every single play? But his response was always that this one play that's going to either determine if you win the championship or if you lose the championship. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And that was a big concept we tried to instill into our kids. Sometimes luck plays a big role in being good. Um, like, a, give a great example. We, we played a team. We ran, uh, we ran the double wing, right, which is a run-heavy offense. Um, and they had a defensive tackle, which was a stud, one of the best players in the league. But he had a, a flaw in his game where he wanted to just get upfield. And when he does that, he leaves his area of responsibility, which creates a big hole. The first time we played him, we won the game because we just exploited that. Now, we didn't know at the time we were exploiting that. But next time we played that team, they corrected that. And I mean, it was a heck of a game. We ended up pulling it out. But uh, that's that's where the difference is, right, between good and great is that you know, the good people, they do okay, but the ones that are great understand their their craft, whether it's a sport or business, and they learn and get better at their craft all the time. And that's one of the fun things about watching you over your career. Um, since I've been able to know you the last two years, I love the different areas that you're looking at and where you're looking to improve, and it's it's been a lot of fun watching it. Absolutely. I appreciate that, Bob. And, you know, always, always learning from the best such as yourself. So (laughs) thank you. Um, You know, I I guess sticking on this sports concept before I I kind of go into a different area of of your career, um, what is one thing that a leader today that is just, you know, just graduating or looking into starting their career, what can, what would you say is one thing that they can maybe learn from sports, whether it's playing sports, watching football, coaching, what is the one thing that you think is, is is it, it's almost like you can learn so much from just this one concept if you focused on that and applied it into your career. The example that kind of comes to my mind is um, the Michael Jordan um, series that was just on. Um, yeah. The time and the effort and the mastery of the skills that he wanted to put in place. And you can compare that to you know one of my favorite quarterbacks, Tom Brady. It doesn't just happen. And you're going to have setbacks, you're going to have success, but you're going to have some failures too. And don't, don't think that just because you had that one failure that you throw the towel in. Um, I've been in, in two uh, games where at halftime we're down by 21 points. You know, we fumbled a ball, they picked up for a touchdown in the first half, we blew a pick for a touchdown. So, you know, bad things happen, right? And, and what, what separates folks and what I think people can really learn from sports, um, especially in their careers, is that don't let that little setback stop you from achieving your goal. And, you know, in those both those instances, we just set, you know, uh, short-term goals in the third quarter. Let's do this and get a touchdown. Let's get another touchdown. And then sometimes you need a little luck, but sometimes luck comes. And um, those are those are lessons that are really important. And um, I think it's something that folks can learn from. Yeah, I think it's 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 taking a step by step. It's focusing on the basics, the the fundamentals when you're down, versus thinking about you know, oh my God, I have such a long way to go. It's step by step. You know, you you fall down, you get back up, yep. and you just keep going. But, yeah, and um, lie on the foundations, the you know the foundational lessons that you already know that are going to make you successful. 
Exactly. Now, talking about, you know, taking that, discuss a little more in detail about how you've weathered. I know you mentioned in the beginning there you've been through three economic downturns and there's been a different, a lot of, you know, M&A activity in your career uh, over the past 20, 30 years, right? What has allowed you to thrive during that time, during the ups and downs, especially when you are taken from one culture to another? What has allowed you to consistently thrive and deliver results when things change on you at, you know, one minute and something's completely different? Yeah, I, I think the, the biggest factor is, is don't be afraid. Um, don't make drastic changes. Don't, um, don't get intimidated by the situations um, and really fall back on, on, on what you believe in. And for me, a big part of what I believe in is people. Um, I, I really have a strong belief that, that people inherently are good and, and that if you provide them the tools to be successful, we'll all be successful no matter what the situation is. Um, and a lot of times, you know, when there is a failure or a mistake, um, it's mine, it's not my team's. And taking that ownership and, and really looking out for your team, I think is, is a big part of that. And, and on, you know, I think talking about people, what, there's a lot of young leaders today, especially with COVID and, and you know, the economy is changing. I mean, especially in Toronto, where, where I'm living, in the past three to four years, the uh, real estate market has skyrocketed and you know, students are graduating with a lot of debt. You can't afford a house until you're 10, 15 years into a career for, for most people. And there's a lot of anxiety, right? What is, how, how, do you, how do you deal with that early in your career? And what is some advice that you would give somebody just starting out their career now and dealing with that that anxiety especially when the environment around you is not very favorable yeah that's a great question and i i think that's that's one of the um the biggest challenges your generation is is facing right now um and i see it in my own children my my daughter and my two boys um it's it's just a different world and but i think foundationally the way to attack it is the same as it's always been pre-planned Get your list together. If you're in incredible debt right now, don't think about today. Think about five years from now. What are you going to do so that in five years you're not? Um, I think those are just standard guidance and principles that we don't we don't necessarily teach as much today as we used to. And I think because of that, there's a, just a lot more um, stress on folks today, uh, especially uh, in your generation. And I think that's kind of a failure from my generation is that we painted this incredibly rosy picture for everyone and how great life is and everything else. I, I really like the, you know, uh, your, um, your explanation about the basics, the foundations. I mean, the, the game's different, the economy's different, the mechanisms are different, but the fundamentals are still the same, right? So plan, look ahead, do the right thing, be good to others, and you know, don't buy more or don't buy more than you can chew. You know, it's all the, all the same fundamentals, I think. We just need to make sure we're applying. You know, as I look back on my parents that I learned um, from my mother and father, back then there was no credit. So if you wanted to buy a mm -hmm. house, you had to save. So you planned for that. Every paycheck, you took X amount of money. Once you had 20% deposit, you could buy it. And I look now at my, my mother um, later on in life, uh, really not with a lot of debt, 
owns her own house, but she did those things over the course of her life. I, my generation was the first one really to get overwhelmed with that, right? We had credit cards, we had access. Um, so we were the first ones to kind of learn through that. And I'll tell you, it took a long time to understand how to manage that. But once you do, um, you know, the back end of it came out really well. And I think that's something that's just the universal truth. If you, if you pre-plan correctly and you can look out and not just caught, get caught up in today, um, I think that really helps with stress across the board because it gives you something to do. Yeah, I think it's when you get stuck and you have all these options, but you don't understand the, the small steps that are need to take, you, know, you need to take to get there. I guess it, it, gets, it gets overwhelming. Exactly. Um, and I also think the university system today does not, especially when I was there, it does not teach anything about personal finance to the point it should, or anything about how do you handle uh, you know, ups and downs uh, in, in, in today's world, where the old way of doing business is now totally different, where you're not gonna be in, in a role for more than five years, where companies are, you know, buying other companies and it's all about cost cutting. You know, there's not enough education around that and I think uh, that's definitely something that's a gap. But, you know, I think if you do the right things, if you do the small things, you plan ahead and, and you stick to the principles that allow other people to be successful, I think that is the key and that's exactly, uh, you know, what allowed you to win then and that's some of the stuff that I've seen people doing well now are also using the same tools and same mechanisms. Yeah, exactly. So they say, you know, Bob, uh, the pressure is actually a good thing. And I know when I used to be under pressure, um, it was, I, somebody always told me that it's because somebody believes in you. Although if you, somebody didn't believe in you, they didn't count on you, you wouldn't be under pressure because you need to deliver something. Somebody has put you in a position because they trust you. How has pressure helped you in your career? So I, I think early on, um, I struggled with that a lot. Uh, expectations. Early in my career, I would hyperventilate. I'd be tense, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, but I've learned over the years just techniques to kind of really help with that. Um, I love the pressure. I really do. Um, I love being the person in charge. I love taking that initiative. Um, and I've just learned um, how to kind of deal with that. And just some simple things like breathing techniques right, to calm yourself down before you um, get an environment. Um, I've also learned preparation is huge. Um, so um, if I'm doing an event today, um, I'll do a run through before I get up into a public speaking engagement. Um, we just did a whole series of webinars um, and today's technology is actually really awesome because we could record the planning sessions we did and we do three recorded planning sessions before the actual webinar which really just kind of helps you kind of um, get through it. So I guess kind of the overall message is the same. It's that preparation. And um, when you know that you're under those really um, pressure situations, getting your mind in the right time uh, mind frame and doing the, the little things really helps you clear-minded um, uh, and helps you with that pressure as you go through it. Yeah, you know, it reminds me of a quote that I always use uh, it's that championships are won in the off season, right? And so true. If, if you can prepare when nobody's watching and if you do those right things for all the time that somebody else is not spending, but you are spending the time preparing, when the lights are on Friday night on the football field, you've already done that. You've already practiced, right? It's just a matter of execution at that point. Right. Just about execution at that point. 
And in business, you know, if you have a huge presentation to the C-suite, if you've got uh, a big, uh, you know, sales pitch to a client, or if you're launching a brand new app, whatever it may be, if you prepared enough, the pressure is there, but you're not scared. Right. You know, you're confident that you've done all the right stuff and that you'll be fine, right? And, so, and the people that don't prepare, then you see the anxiety, then you start seeing, um, you know, all, all the different things that should not be happening that almost are counterproductive to the end goal. Yeah, and I'll actually use an example from you, which I love to see and really was um, uh, helped me uh, see some different things that I could employ. And that was, we did business ago, a little over a year ago, and um, you, you put together a rollout plan for a very major technology initiative. You prepped for it, you trained for it, you practiced it, and then you deployed it. And usually it fails pretty miserably because they didn't take those steps to get there. Um, but what um, you and your team did was pretty phenomenal and to watch that, and I'm pretty sure I said that to you a couple of times, that was, that was pretty cool. Oh, I appreciate that, Bob. And you know, I, I, think, I think, you know, number one, it was, it was the support of, of your leadership as well. And the second thing is it was the basics and the fundamentals. Again, same stuff, it was, there's no secret. And, and that is just doing the right things, doing the hard work up front, so when it's when it's time to time to play the game, you know you practice it enough times. Yeah, exactly. I, you know, I I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about my favorite football team and one of the one of the things that they uh, were able to accomplish the New England Patriots when they were down to Atlanta Falcons and part of the why they won that game. Um, that day they were not the better team; they were the better conditioned team. So when they got into that that fourth quarter and that overtime. That work to be in that position, to be in that good condition, and that's kind of foundational, right? If you put in that work when you're in that situation, the odds of you succeeding is so much higher. But, you know, Bilicek did that seven, eight months before, but it got to that one position where they needed that extra gas in the in the cylinder for them, and they were able to execute on it. That's a great example, Bob. I'm, I'm, yeah, I remember that game. And you can tell when people go back to the huddle, the ones that are standing straight versus the ones who have their hands on their knees. Hands on their hips. <laughs> exactly. And the New England Patriots that game were the ones that were standing up straight. How have you been able to go in and every single time been able to get up to speed as fast as you can and deliver results at the same time without having too many things you know, on the go uh, that almost sometimes bring people down. And I've seen many people that are, they get put into a new role. You know, it's like, man, I have to learn this. I got to do this. I also need to, uh, and they, they can prioritize, right? So how have you been able to just distill your priorities, no matter what the role is, no matter what the, the environment is, what do you do so well that allows you to do that? The most important, there's two key things, I think, in those situations. The one, the first one, and this is foremost, is you can't be afraid. A lot of people get kind of paralyzed because they think things are complex. I've never seen anything complex in my life, as long as you have enough time to learn it and understand it. So that's kind of the first thing, just don't be afraid. And the second, um, and this has served me well over the years, is be curious, ask questions, right? Don't, don't be like the person in there that 
trying to pretend like you know everything because you don't. <laughs> ask questions and listen. If you ask and listen to questions, everyone who's working there knows how to fix it. You just have to be smart enough to listen to it. And then once you accumulate that data, then you just prioritize. What can we get done short term? What's my 30, 60 day gonna be? What's my 60, 120? What's my 120 uh, to 360? And then what's my next year? And then as you kind of work through that with the team, um, you know, they'll help you understand what those priorities need to be, but rely on your people and um, they'll get you to where you need to be. Yeah, and, and, and it's like, you know, without you being, uh, you might not know everything. And I think one thing that people get intimidated, especially as everything becoming digital, is I've some people, a lot of people tell me that, you know, I can't do this because I'm not in technology. I don't know technology. I don't know marketing. At the end of the day, it's just knowledge you need to learn and apply it at the right time with the right frameworks. That's all it is. Exactly. Any, right? Any, anyone, you, I mean, you can go on Google, spend a weekend and learn about Python. You can learn about strategic marketing frameworks. It's about not being afraid, getting the concepts right, looking at the problem, and then applying those frameworks to help you solve that. And the foundation's kind of the same across the board, right? Care about your people, care about your customer, create an organization that takes that seriously and promotes those two things. Um, and then everything else starts falling into place. And when you start asking, you know, like a customer service issue, you know, what happened? What did, you know, what could we have done better? You know, before we, before we end our podcast, there's one question I wanted to ask you that I think will be very, very valuable for everyone uh, listening right now. And that one question is, if there's a room full of people right now that are just, that's just graduated university or college or are in, you know, in, in, a, in a lower, in a younger position in their careers and they're looking to grow, especially in a world that's highly disruptive and that's highly ripe for disruption as most of the consumer-facing industries are. What's the one message you would give these young professionals that'll allow them to accelerate their careers versus st be stagnated uh, as some other people are right now? Find the right mentor and coach and learn. Once you've identified those people that can really help you, um, listen to them. There's plenty of people out there that, that love to coach and love to take people under their wings and have great experience. Um, challenge false paradoxes, so don't necessarily believe, but ask questions, listen, learn, and then adapt what you get from them and then apply it to your career. Don't chase the shiny object. The people that chase the shiny object, just because you know, you're gonna get another 5,000 or another 10,000, um, you have to look at your career as an investment. And that investment's in you and your learning. If you do that, it'll pay huge dividends for you in the future, and it'll make you successful in your career and your personal life. Don't bite at everything that you see. And you know, I think what you said is don't chase the shiny object, right? So stay true to, the, to your course, make your strategy, and just keep going. Don't try to deviate because something there's shiny object there, you wanna you know, bite everything that you see. There are no shortcuts to success. That's what it comes down to. Very true. Awesome. Bob, thank you so much for being on this show. Uh, it was a pleasure. I learned a lot of stuff today as well that I hadn't learned, and it's always so inspiring. 
uh, hearing you, hearing from you and, and learning from you. So thank you so much. I really appreciate you being on the show. Thank you. And I really appreciate you having me and looking forward to um, your next podcast. Awesome. Thank you, Bob. Thank you. Thanks, team, for listening. Really hope you found this podcast valuable and can leverage some of the content in your day-to-day. Please remember to leave a review, subscribe on YouTube, and sign up for a ton of free content, exercises, coaching, and frameworks at tangerbango.com.